0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler.
1: Well, good morning, church family. How many of you find it hard to believe we are already in a brand new year? Man, it's hard to believe. We've gone through 2019. We're in 2020. Not only are we in a brand new year, but we are at the start of a brand new decade. And this is a brand new decade of ministry, a new, brand new decade for what lies ahead. And I am excited about what God has in store uh, for our church family. I'm excited about what God has in store for each and every one of you. Uh, I believe this is gonna be a great decade for you. I believe it's gonna be a great decade for our church family. And we wanna kick this year off. We wanna kick this decade off, really where I think our heart posture should be, and that is in a spirit of prayer. And so we are dedicating today, We're going to talk more about what is involved with that in the next few moments. But uh, the reality is this, Uh, we've got a lot of things on the horizon. Two weeks from today, we are going to be kicking off our spiritual renewal conference with Dr. John Van Gelderen. And so that'll start on Sunday morning. And we're going to go all the way through Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We're going to gather together for prayer. We're going to gather together for worship. We're going to gather together around God's Word. And we're really going to dedicate this year year to the Lord, and really this decade. And so today is the day that we are going to start that journey. And we're going to start with a spirit of dependence, a spirit of faith, a spirit of prayer, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, Because of what this year has in store, next week is our Vision Sunday. Um, as we are beginning to get together as, as, as leaders, as we're getting together seeking God's face, uh, there are some big things that I believe the Lord has in store for us moving forward. And uh, we're really anticipating God doing some special things in our midst over the next 12 months, but we are fully, fully aware of the fact that in order for those things to happen, uh, God's got to do what only He can do. And so this morning, we're going to take some time to emphasize the subject of prayer, and then tonight Tonight we're going to have what we call midnight prayer. And we're going to start at 8 o'clock tonight. We're going to to really have a prayer service that's going to go all the way to midnight. And we're going to spend four hours just seeking God's face. We're going to have times of worship. We're going to have times of uh, getting in the scripture. We're going to to read through the entire book of Romans tonight together as a church family. Uh, We're going to have the opportunity of seeking God's face in areas of our city, uh, personal revival, uh, praying for our country. We're going to take some time just to get together with God's people. And I want to encourage many of you to prayerfully consider being a part. Now, if if you can just come in at eight and stay for an hour, that's fine. Maybe some of you who have kids and and maybe you don't feel comfortable bringing the little kids with you during that service, uh, maybe you can switch off and one of you can come for an hour and then switch off and somebody else can come for another hour. However it is that it'll work for you, but for many of us, we're just going to gather here for several hours and just seek God's face moving into a new year and to a new decade of ministry. Um, Many of you have probably heard by now, but one of our church's biggest prayer warriors, uh, Miss Rhonda, went home to be with the Lord recently. And uh, whether you realize this or not, and I don't know that you that maybe all of us would realize this, literally, and I don't say this in any exaggeration, literally one of the biggest prayer warriors we had as a church family we've lost. And I know for me, as a pastor, um, as a spiritual leader, the reality is, Prayer changes things, prayer moves things, and the reality is we've lost one of our great prayer warriors, and my heart is that that we would find many others who would step up and take her place. That would take the place of the prayers that she gave for you and for me and for us as a church family, and I want to see that cultivated as we move into the upcoming year, so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be a part. Uh, Her funeral service will be Saturday. We'll talk a little bit more about that. You'll see that online. Uh, But I hope many of you can come and be a part of the celebration of her life. But this beginning of this year, the beginning of this decade, we've got a lot of things that we're leaning into and we're anticipating and we're expecting and so we're going to start this morning just in God's word uh, really focusing on the subject of prayer and as, as I was thinking about this year as I was thinking about what God was leading us to do, I, I really felt impressed uh, to invite one of my friends to come and challenge us in this area of prayer. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about my friend Malachi. you guys have never met him before and so I want to kind of give you uh, Malachi's been a pastor in uh, outside of St. Louis for the last nine years. The <laughs> cat And uh, he's been in ministry for many years before that. Uh, Some of you would be familiar with what's called the SBC or the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Uh, Malachi served as as its vice president. Southern Baptist, 45,000 churches around our country. Uh, He served as the vice president. And really his focus was to call these 45,000 churches to a spirit of prayer and to a spirit of revival. Uh, he He has the opportunity of really being a part of a movement, a prayer movement that's there in Kansas City uh, called IHOP, which is basically a prayer meeting that has been going on now for 20 years. Now get this, for 20 years straight, there's a prayer meeting that has been going on that has not stopped. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day for years. It has not stopped. It has continued to go, and he's one of the leaders that really just kind of gets around that and says, this is is what God's doing, this is what we believe God wants us to do. Uh, He was inspired by one of our friends, uh, Dr. John Van Gelderen, many years ago. He had the opportunity of going to Dr. John Van Gelderen's Symphony of Prayer, and John's talked about that when he's been with us, and so Malachi was there with him many years ago, nine, ten years ago, and really just got stirred up for a ministry of prayer. And so wherever the Lord takes him, he just has a heart to just instill into the people around him this this passion for prayer and for revival. Um, He's the one who believes that uh, not only should we pray for our own hearts and pray for our own churches, uh, but he believes that those who are in leadership and authority, they should be prayed for. God's given him several opportunities to pray. I know he's been to the White House five or six times to pray personally with the president because that's his passion, to pray with those who are in authority, who are in leadership, to pray with them, to pray for them, to pray over them. And he has given his entire life to this one theme. And so I couldn't think of anybody better to come and really just challenge us as a church family to lean deeply into this thing of prayer. Prayer. And so I'm going to ask at this time, Malachi, you come share from us, share God's word to us. We're looking forward to hearing from you, sir. Good
2: morning, Fresno Church. And uh, how many guys would rather be here than in jail, just out of curiosity? <laughs> That's fantastic. The, uh, and, and honestly, just let me just say this in preface, um, I, I have observed this church for quite some time because I've known your pastor for quite some time, and what God's doing here is very encouraging and very stirring so be encouraged Uh, God is using this church in a mighty way so be very encouraged Father we need you this church does not need another sermon Lord we've got a lot of hearers of the word what would happen if we got the same amount of doers of the word Lord much of what I share today will be forgotten But I believe in this moment, you want to mark us. You want to to stamp upon our hearts something significant that maybe, just maybe, what happens today could mark Fresno Church, and more importantly, those that are Fresno Church, to be eternally different. So open our eyes. Release light and revelation to this room, my God. Do it only, you, only what your spirit can do. Not what it, there's things that your spirit can do. The song can never do. A preacher can never do. But the spirit of God can do. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do it today. Would you release light and revelation, a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord, that maybe for some has been gone for a while and maybe for, for some it's never been there. Lord, do it. Do what I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. The roaring 1920s um, uh, signify, it, it started amazing, but it ended with the Great Depression. But we're walking into the roaring 2020s. And what if the roaring 2020s did not in a great depression but what if God chose to use the roaring 2020s to usher in not a great depression but a great awakening and so my purpose in being here today with you just I have one purpose one desire one thought one heart and that is that the Lord would use me just for a moment to provoke something within you that the spirit would deep would cry out to deep and there'd be something within you that would that would be that would just honestly say I want more of God there's something that would happen today like if, if there was an invitation to this message my invitation would be to you is come back tonight come back tonight what i want to say to you fresno church is there's is so much more of god available to each and every one of us the number one reason why most people go to church and they've done the research studies is is honestly yes there's for family things yes to, to to be loved and have a family but the number one reason why people go to church is they want more of god Sadly enough, we can go to church week after week after week, and the thing that we don't feel like we get is God. And so what I want to say to you today is God wants you more than you want him. As much as I'm trying to get you stirred up to want God, God, the God of heaven wants you and delights over you, the father heart of our God. I mean, he's calling his sons and daughters to say, come home, I want you. He, he's, he is that, that the prodigal father that, that ran after the son. For the more of God, that's what I want God to put in your heart today. The number one thing, the most critical thing in your life and in my life, the most important thing is our relationship with God. There's absolutely nothing more important than our relationship with God. Not your spouse. Not your kids. You probably have great kids. Anyone have great kids in the room? You want to have great spouses in the room. You want to not have a um, (laughs) great... The number one thing is not your job. It's not your dreams for the future. Most important thing is your walk with God. As we begin this new year, I want to say to you guys today, do not neglect that. We are called to be a priestly people before the Lord and to know Him. But if you're in this room today, I would dare say some of you in this room today... Or dry, barren, maybe even spiritually bored, and maybe somewhat even spiritually broken. But the Holy Spirit of the living God wants to touch you. He wants to speak to you. While I'm speaking, He wants to speak. He wants you to listen. And so my only goal today is to provoke you and to make you, for you to, for the Lord to do it. Forget me, forget me, please forget me. I have some things I want to share with you I think will be profound, not because of me, because some things God's done. But I want God to mess you up. Take your Bibles. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. My primary life calling is not that of a pastor. Um, I am a pastor. Um, My primary life calling is not some of the other things that I do or get to do. My primary life calling, besides my family... God has called me to be a, to be an individual, a man of night and day prayer, that I would give the best parts of my life to spend time before God's presence and to burn before him, to go after him with reckless abandon. That's my, that's my vocation. That's my job. That's what I live to do is to burn before the Lord and just to, to worship him and cry out to him and contend with him. And you say, that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? That your whole life is prayer. Not really, because in the Old Testament, the, the Levites, they were, this, they were, they were the, the, of the 12 tribes. They were the tribe that had no land, but their inheritance was God himself. And their job was simply just to offer the sacrifices and to be in his presence and and uh, I just want to say to you guys, we are after we are, we are priests after the orders of Melchizedek and, and Jesus Christ, and our, our inheritance is, is 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 not fame or success. It's God, it's His very near presence, and every day we have the chance to receive fresh manna from heaven. But we just kind of go, well, it was good when I was a, when I was a, when I was a teenager. It was really good. Oh yeah, when I was first married, it, I mean, it was great. No, it's time. It's 2020. It's the roaring 20s. It's time for a great awakening in our own lives. That's what God's going after. The primary calling of your pastor. That was a share with them this, this morning. Is, And I, I know you guys know this, so this is not new, but I, I just want to say it. The primary calling of your pastor and the pastors in this church, as much as they serve and organize you and the volunteers, the number one job is to be, to, be, to be before the Lord. To be a man of God. The number one thing you should ask of your pastor is not... And again, I'm just, I mean, I hope, I hope every one of you has his cell phone number. If not, ask me afterwards. I'll give it to you, alright? Um, but the number one thing is that there's times you can't reach your pastor. Can't get a hold of him. What's he doing? He's before the Lord. He's marked by God. So that you know every single week, whoever gets up behind... Uh, gets up on this platform, you know they've been with Jesus. That's the number one calling. It's a pri- listen. We're prophets, priests, and kings, and we get the kingly idea of ministry. That's leadership. That's doing things. That's that's conquering things. That's building things, right? But the priestly call is to be before God Himself. And some of you in this room, you've not cracked this book open in a long time, and you've sung a lot of songs, but it's been a long time since the songs moved you. for that to change none of that was written down matthew chapter number 17 if i was to give a title to the message it would be this satan's supreme 2020 vision for fresno church what i want to get next week's vision sunday from your pastor but i want to give you satan's vision for your church i want to give you he's got a master plan for you I i mean i mean satan wants this church to succeed his wife. I, mean, Satan, Satan, I mean, Satan's not threatened by what happens in most churches on a Sunday morning. I mean, hell is not being plundered and heaven is not being sought after most Sunday mornings. Because we come, we come in and we go out the same way. So Satan has a dream for your life and your family and this ministry and this church, and I want to give that to you. Only to say to you that God wants to call you To a life of radical devotion Wholeheartedness Intimacy with Jesus A radical call To prayer and fasting is what you're going to find In Matthew chapter 17 Matthew 17 Let's just begin reading here Matthew 17 If you love Jesus say amen Amen. Amen. Matthew 17 it says here In verse number 14 I'm going to read this entire passage And just break it down for you and then again, at the end, I know uh, Pastor Josh has some things planned here at the end. But again, I'm telling you, God, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to every one of you. Listen, and I hope you'll be back tonight. Verse 14 says and when they came, when they had come to the multitude, they, yeah, they were on the mountain, the disi- the, some of the disciples with Jesus, he's transfigured. I mean, it is like, Wow. You don't always—you don't get to always live on the mountain, though. They come off the mountain, and a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire and into the water. Is that good or bad? uh, Would you—is that bad? Yeah. Can you imagine just being out in public and your son falls into the fire? That can't be healthy." That can't be well, you know. That makes for interesting get-togethers. Why is he throwing himself in the fire? Anyway, so, you know, he says here, he suffers severely, falls in the fire. Now get this part of you. So I brought him to your disciples. No, they couldn't cure him. Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, "Oh, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And then his disciples came to him privately and said, that's kind of embarrassing. They didn't get the job done. So they asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer emojis and positive thoughts. Is that what it says? No. This kind does not go out except by a new Bible study and a, and, and, and a Christian t-shirt. Is that what it says? The the, the, the power for a life to be changed and a demonic child to be set free and and a family's destiny to be forever marked. How does that happen? Only by prayer and fasting. The future of Fresno Church depends on what is in your heart today to be a people, a men and women who know how to to, to get a hold of God and know how to spend time in His presence and know how not to give up and know that, listen, there are things that we cannot do apart from God. Actually, we can do nothing apart from Him. And so what God wants to do is to raise up a family here, a contending family, to be men and women of prayer because this kind comes out only by Prayer and fasting. So, with that in mind, what is Satan's plan for this church? Just in case you're wanting to sign on for that. Anyone want to follow Satan in the room today? Maybe some of you want to sell your birthright for a bowl of stew. Maybe some of you are content to not get on the ark. There's so much more. Number one satan would love for you and i and I, I i wrote a lot of this down i don't normally take a lot of notes to me I, but i want to be very specific with my words are you listening satan's plan for this church number one would be that you all right all right the person you saw in the mirror today the person sitting in your seat right now not your not the person sitting next to you that you would number one willingly settle. For a ministry or a life or a family or a future that you would willingly settle for a ministry that looks blessed. But behind the scenes, behind the curtains, it's actually really broke and really hollow. Really broke and really hollow. Let me read that verse to you again. When they come down from the mountain, uh, come down from the mountain to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling, and said, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic. He suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire and the water." Now, get this, get this part here. This is this. So, I mean, this is amazing to me. So, I, I, um, I don't know when he did this. Okay, I don't know how, if this was a week before or a month before. I go back to Matthew ten. He sent them out. I mean, it could have been. But all I know is he says, "So I, this man with this son, I brought him to your disciples, but." They could not cure him. A man with a, an unbelievable need went to people who, who walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, who, who saw the, 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 the dead raised and the, and the sick healed and the blind see and the deaf hear. I brought him to the, your team. I brought him to your strategic leadership team. i hoping that they could help me and they could not. I wonder what that man thought. When he brought him to the disciples. I'm sure he came thinking this is going to be it. I'm, the, these guys, I've heard about this Jesus guy. And, and now here, there's that guy Peter. Or there's John. Or oh, I'm going to take him to Judas. That seems like a good guy. And, uh, um, and, uh, and, and, and I, I, they're going to help me. And he goes to them. He comes with so much hope. And his hope is crushed. Dem- it's demolished. When they can't help him. I wonder how many people come to church to a Sunday worship experience. And I could say every other church, but let's just say this church for the sake of the, of the conversation. Hoping to be set free. And they're not set free. Hoping to find hope for your marriage and you, and, 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 and and you don't have that hope hoping that that prodigal son or daughter will come back to God. You know, if I just go back to church and I, and I get with the people and, and we start doing this, God's going to work. And I wonder how many people get a, become a part of, our, of what we do. And yet, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I wonder if he went back home and told all his friends that it didn't work. I wonder if he went back to his neighbor and said, yeah, I tried that Jesus guy thing and yeah, it didn't work out for me so well. I, I know it's worked for some other people but it didn't work for me. I guess my demonically possessed child was, was a little too much for them. What happens most time is we go through the motions of religion void of the power of the relationship and we know how to act like it's Okay. Wasn't that a great Sunday? Woo! There's a lot of people in the room. Yeah, but was God in the room? Was God in the room? Because if God's not here, it doesn't matter if anybody is here. I mean, we're called to, I mean, the primary call of the church is to be a people who burn before the Lord, who minister to Him. Jesus said, and He wasn't kidding. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't like I had a bad day. He said, my house, my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And honestly, we're like, I'm not into that prayer thing. That's not really my calling. That's not really my gift. Prayer is not a gift. It's an invitation. I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a glorious privilege to have, a, have something we can do to know the Father. And I can talk to Him. And I can listen to Him. My house shall be called a house of prayer. The idea of that, of the ecclesia, the called out assembly. That word ecclesia literally has the idea of a legislative body. From heaven, on earth, that when they convene, there's power when they convene. When that ecclesia convenes, that legislative body gets together on a Sunday morning. What are they contending for? What are they convening about? What does Congress look like when they do that? Oh, they're they're, they're passing votes through prayer. Because when the legislative body from heaven on earth, the church, convenes as the ecclesia, we are the legislative body through prayer. And prayer changes things. That's the idea of the church. Jesus didn't didn't die on the cross to become the CEO of a religious nonprofit. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could pack our calendars with fun events all throughout the month. And we could go to all these events and you sit in this chair, you're like, yeah, I've gone to everything the church offers and I'm dry, I'm dead, I'm bored, I want to know God. And so what are you settling for? Satan says, hey, you know what? My vision is that you'll just keep doing. What you doing? I mean, a few people get saved here and there. Okay. But not the masses. Not the suddenly of God. I don't know about you, but as Pastor Josh was driving me around, Fresno's big. I grew up in a small town, middle of nowhere, Kansas. Rode a bus to church. Um, was, was adopted. Fresno is really big. But if the Spirit of God doesn't work, the majority of people that risen, live in Fresno will die and go to hell. And, and a lot of people that don't go to church, some people, a lot of people have gone to church, they've tried church, it didn't work. Why did it not work? Because there were people in the church who were just content with the way things are. Hey, as long as we meet budget, that's great. As long as we have a few baptisms, maybe more than last year, maybe a few less, that's great. No. No. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances ever in history is that okay. We cannot settle for for ministry and a life and a family that looks good, but no real power, no real breakthrough, no real transformation That's what that man said, I tried your disciples, didn't work out for me. A lot of us are spiritually bored and broke and barren. You know, look here in verse 17. Look there in your Bible, you looking at it? Let me read this next part. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. Came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, personal opinion. I do think Jesus when he said that, I think he was talking to everybody that was there. But honestly, he was being kind in that moment. I think he was talking to his disciples. I think he could have said to his disciples, Faithless and perverse
0: how long
2: shall i be with you and you not get it and you not understand what i'm all about so if any of you want to sign the dotted line for satan's vision for your life and your church and your family the number two just casually and occasionally jog with jesus but never under any circumstances whatsoever run hard after jesus run faithfully with jesus there is a difference you see here's what i'm trying here's what i'm trying to say to you this man's son could not be healed do we, how many guys know that the man's son could, if, you, if you're still with me say amen i don't know how long ago that was but what i'm discovering is they didn't the disciples didn't come back to jesus after it didn't work and go jesus can we can we talk you know jesus we went out like you told us to do didn't work what can you tell us is it us what is it? Well, I'm shocked here. Nothing in here gives me... I mean, they knew it didn't work. They knew this man came to them. They knew they couldn't heal the son. I don't know how long ago that was. But let's just say it was six months before, just for the fun of the illustration. They went six months not telling Jesus. Eh, oh well, just don't tell Jesus. Don't... Hey, guys, Judas. <laughs> Judas, we trust you. Whatever, we, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not tell Jesus that this didn't work. All right? We're just going to play it cool. We're going to play it safe. They were just kind of casually doing the Jesus thing. But they weren't running hard after him. And I believe when Jesus said, You faithless and perverse generation, he was grabbing their heart and saying, I see it. I see it. I see it. I wonder how many of us in this room, it's a veneer right now. We know how to do church. We know how to come in and smile, laugh, you know, pretend like it's all okay, and it's not. That's the obviously the disciples they they pretended like everything was just fine, and it wasn't fine. I'm sure that was embarrassing.
0: <laughs>
2: Can you just imagine they're like, oh, they come they come, come down from the mountain, right? They're like high five, and man, wasn't that cool? The transfiguration we saw Moses, it was so cool. I mean, it'd be cool can you imagine they're coming down the mountain and they see the multitudes and all of a sudden they go nah can't be that guy uh oh I can't imagine like that's the guy remember that guy Judas that you know we were, we were praying for and trying to cast the demon out yeah that's the guy that didn't work uh oh I'm sure they were honestly humiliated But you know what, sometimes when Jesus calls our number, when Jesus pulls back the veil and we feel exposed, we feel open for everyone to see, it's not because he's mad at us. It's because he loves us so much. He is so faithful to remove anything that hinders love. And that is why when revival comes to a church and people start confessing sin, they get behind a microphone, you know, and they start confessing sin. Um, you know, you, you, know it's, uh, you don't go whisper to your neighbor, I can't, believe, I, I can't believe she said those things. I can't believe he looked at that kind of stuff. When, when, when people start confessing sin, when you get to that point, you're like, I don't care anyone thinks. All I care is what God thinks. In the Asbury Revival in one thousand nine hundred and seventy, a senior got up at Asbury College and just confessed that he was a cheater all through school and got up and confessed, and after he got done, another student got up and after he got that person got done, another student got up and after, and, then, and for for one entire week hour after hour after hour after hour after hour in the Jesus movement at Asbury College, Wilmore, Kentucky that a testimony service that went on for an entire week And because when, when revival comes you don't care if the person in the back of the room knows every deep, dark dirty, dirty sin you've ever done because all you care about is Jesus is so awesome and Jesus is so glorious but Satan would like you to just kind of be okay with being okay you know, when okay when okay is not okay so I want to ask you today, are you really passionately in love with Jesus? When you sing the songs that we sang this morning, are you like, I, oh, God, we had to stop singing? Man, I'd love to keep singing. Come on now. Are you the person inside your heart? You're like, man, I just want to start jumping. <laughs> are you the person, I, I, you know, you're like, something's burning within you. I, I, man, I got to worship. Are you the person going, man, hey, he's singing more songs today. When's he you going to stop? I heard Francis Chan say this one time, and it was, it was just profound. In heaven right now, all right, picture heaven right now, the angels, all right, they're singing. The elders, they are bowing. And the angels, they're singing this very repetitive song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. And, and, and they just keep singing it, and they keep singing it, and they keep singing it, and they keep singing it. I don't think there's an angel in heaven going, come on. we, Come on, we've been singing that same song now for a thousand years. Can we not write something new? Do you know why the angels can't stop singing? It'll change your worship forever. I'll tell you why the angels can't stop singing because with the eyes that could kind of see him, they, they, they see Jesus. They see the lamb that was slain. They see the only one that is worthy to open the scroll and, and, and open the seals. They see him like, oh, there he is, the king of glory, the lamb that was slain. Holy, holy, holy. There he is again. Holy, holy, holy. There he is again. Holy, 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 holy. And when you get a vision of Jesus, you're like, come on, I can sing for hours. I can sing for days. Because I see the Lamb. I see the one that was slain for my sin. And I want to worship Him. I want to adore Him. And I don't care if I can't sing well. I don't care if I have a great voice. I just want to sing till I have no more voice, no more breath in my lungs. Because Jesus alone is worthy. Amen? That's why when, honestly, come back tonight and sing and pray and when you worship you can you can sit and worship on the inside you can raise your hands you can get on your face the posture of worship church when's the last time has nothing has nothing to do with the style of song has everything to do with whether you see Jesus whether you see him. Jesus is, more, is, Jesus is closer to the cry of the broken than he is to the, the pretend cry of the self-righteous. There's a difference between a church that prays and a praying church. There's a difference between a church that prays and a praying church. I wonder if Fresno church could become a praying church. I wonder if something would consume you so much. It says, I, you know what? We've got a lot of good things going. But before we go do any evangelism, we're going to pray. Sunday morning, somebody sneaks The doors were locked when Josh and I came this morning. And I think the worship team was getting crazy. And, um, but uh, I mean, somebody sneaks in somehow, way, and just prays over every chair. Oh, God. Someone's going to sit here today. god you got to work. And touches every chair. And somebody gets up here and says, oh, God. The word of God is going to go forth. Let it go forth and, and multiply. There's a million ways I can encourage you to pray, but I'm, I'm asking God to give every single one of you a gift, a desire, a hunger, a thirst, a passion for prayer. A passion for prayer, because prayer is the conduit to Jesus Christ's very near presence. Religion sends people to hell, and most people that are part of a church that settle for the veneer, that settle for the powerless, end up having a lot of people in the seats that aren't born again. Because when you're in an environment where the presence is, I want you. Look on with me real quick here. If you still love Jesus, amen. Amen. I was telling Josh, when he was was talking about how to introduce me, I said, tell them that I got married three weeks after high school. I did. I'm still married too, by the way. She's put up with me. I've got four kids. The oldest is 16. I have not a clue what I'm doing with a 16-year-old. Any, I'll take any advice. If you want to sign up and pray for me every day, that'd be fine. (laughs) All right. The Bible says here in going on in this passage here, Jesus said, because of your unbelief, the disciples came, to Jesus privately. said, why could we not cast it out? It's because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have the faith of the mustard seed, you will say this mountain move from here and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you except this kind. Everybody say this kind. It could mean this kind of faith, it could mean this kind of power, it could mean this kind of demonic stronghold activity, it's, it only, this only gets solved when you fast and pray. So I want to say to you finally today, Satan's plan for Fresno Church, your life, your ministry, your family, your marriage, your relationships, your everything, is that you would carefully choose a cool logo and a pretty slick mission statement. But do not, 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 become a church that fast and prays. Satan loves great. I mean, have the cool logos, have the great design. If Daniel's in here, yes, go for all that. But Satan does not want a church to fast and pray. Have a lot of potlucks? Sure. You want to know what a potluck is? I'm just just, just, okay, somebody does. Good. I'm just asking there. Have all all the little Bible studies you want. Have a million Bible studies. But don't fast and pray. Real quick here, let me show you this. Look look back in the scripture real fast, real fast. The The Bible said here in verse 17, said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. That word faithless has the idea, you're not connected to me. You're not connected to me. Faithless. disciples you're not connected. you're with me you're around me you're watching me but you're not connected to me you're faithless oh by the way you're also perverse so you're not connected to me and you're perverse that means you're, you're connected to the world not in actions but in attitudes you're faithless and perverse and the only answer to that is prayer which is connecting to god Prayer, the answer to that first problem, connecting to God, I do that how? In prayer and fasting, which disconnects me from the world. Prayer and fasting. So whatever you do, church, if you want to be a part of Satan's plan, be a leader here, but don't pray. You want to be a part of Satan's plan? Be a giver here, but don't fast. You want to be a part of Satan's plan? Be a door greeter, but whatever you do, don't pray for people as they come in the doors. Hey, teach kids, but whatever you do, don't get on your knees at home when you're alone and fight for their souls. Do not give yourself to fasting and prayer. Demons only flee when we fast and pray. Your prodigal son or daughter will only come home when you get a hold of God and you fast and pray and then you you fight that battle on your knees. Daniel fought the battle for 21 days. Heaven was silent, but he did not give up. He did not quit because he knew that, that God's promises were true. And so he just battled in prayer. And the archangel said, I was coming to you, but we fought a battle, but we broke through. How? Fasting and prayer. In 1863, the, the divided states of America was about to never be put back together and Abraham Lincoln called a national day of prayer and fasting. Why? Because there are some things only prayer and fasting can solve. In World War II, there were 300,000 British soldiers trapped at Dunkirk. What happened? The King of England called for a united day of prayer in the churches of England. And that very next Sunday, 70% of all the churches in England were filled with moms and dads going to battle. Oh, God, bring our sons home. Bring my child home. God, we need a miracle. God, only you can do this. God. If you ever studied Dunkirk, it's an absolute miracle. The mysterious fog that came in. The reason why Hitler didn't go back and he shouldn't, be he didn't, and How? Why? Why? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. In the 1970s, the United States was divided just like it's divided now. College campuses were going up in flames, presidents were being locked in their offices. And God's response to that was some Jesus hippies. They got radically saved, called the Jesus Movement. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. You want, a di- you want breakthrough over the pornography in your life? Prayer and fasting. Intimacy with God. You want, a, you want a miracle in your marriage? Prayer and fasting. You want a grandson or a granddaughter to come home? Prayer and fasting. And when you get the miracles, you don't care if the ch- I mean, listen, I want this church to grow and double and triple, but God's not really that consumed with that. What he really wants is this body of people just to worship and to pray and to fast. He's like, man, those people really want me. I want them. Because when we fast and pray, we're saying, I can't, you can. The greatest power in heaven and earth is when we do nothing except cry out to God. Cry out to God. Fresno Church. I'm going to be bringing this to a close. What do you really want? Listen. There's more to God than church. Ten years ago, I was in the middle of seminary. I was desperate. I knew all the facts, but I was like, man, I'm reading stories of what God used to do, but I'm not seeing any of it now. I just knew, God, I'm dry, I'm dead, I'm broken, I'm hollow. Oh, God, you've got to do something. Holy Spirit said, fast and pray 40 days. Never fasted really before in my entire life. Well, I did something as a teenager where we gave up food for 30 hours. That was just a a weird youth group activity. Um, But, uh, you know, drink a lot of energy, stay up late, and don't eat. No problems will happen with that. Um, But I was so desperate. I started the next day. As sure as I'm standing before you, the presence of God became so real to me. It was like, I didn't care. I was seeking his hand, but now in seeking his face, I didn't care about his hands so much because Jesus was so awesome. It's like, God, I don't care if anyone knows me or if I get to do anything or even if I get to preach or even if people come to the church or or, I don't care, but you, my God, my God, the one I'm gonna be with for eternity, you're so awesome and so real and your love is so overwhelming and your grace. Some of you I want God to mark with prayer and fasting. Today launches the Roaring Twenties Fast. Last summer I got just convinced what if God called a generation to prayer and fasting and I said I feel like the number was a million not to be grandiose but just a number because in 1995 Bill Bright the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ crew called for two million believers to fast and pray for revival and spiritual awakening in America. He believed that God was going to send a mighty revival at the end of the night at the end of the, before 2000 hit. What he sought didn't happen per se but a lot of leaders that prayed and fasted God touched them God used them. John Piper. Ronnie Floyd I can, I, can name, I can name a ton of people there was a little ministry that got started after that called Passion, I don't know if you guys have heard of that there were some people that did something there in Atlanta last week prayer and fasting Louis Giglio got the vision for Passion in an airplane like, just like God like all of a sudden showed him this field full of kids singing and going after God on a plane Like whoa there it is but he was fasting I wonder if you'll fast and pray so we began the Roaring Twenties fast today and all, in every state we got young people that are going to give up a meal a day or some people are just do a Daniel fast. But it's not about what you give up. It's not about being legalistic about it. It's just saying, God, I want, I want spiritual hunger and I want spiritual thirst again. I, I'm, I've been eating the junk food of religion all too long. I want meat. I want, wa- I want water that satisfied you, Jesus. Will you fast and pray? Say, what happens when you fast and pray? Well, sometimes the the most glorious thing is God changes you. I think God will change Fresno if you fast and pray. I think the only reason why some of you are here today is because you've got a praying mama and a praying grandma. Somebody fasted and prayed for you. We had a situation in our church. This is the last story and then a quick video and then Josh will come up. September the 7th of 2018, We had a late-night prayer meeting like you guys are doing here. And in the middle of that prayer meeting, it was like God spoke to one of our leaders and and just said, I think think God is saying, believe me for a miracle. That was the word that we shared, believe me for a miracle. Well, we didn't know what God meant by that, but we soon found out 24 hours later. The very next day, a young man in our church named Xavier was climbing a treehouse with his friends. Um... They actually—they—they they were walking. They—they they grabbed this metal meat skewer. Like, what is? Why boys do crazy things? And before they walked in the treehouse, they threw it into the ground so it stuck up. And they started walking the tree. But they didn't know they'd been in this treehouse before. There were hornets and wasps in this treehouse. So they get up there, and the hornets and wasps get disturbed, and all of a sudden they start getting stung. So Xavier tries to get out of the treehouse and starts to climb down. But once he gets stung on his hand, he lets go. When he lets go, he falls. Let me show you guys the picture here. He fell straight down onto an 18 inch metal meat skewer, right beneath his eye socket. Believe me, for a miracle, bam. I'm out. I get a call rush the hospital as soon as you can. We think Xavier's going to die. That metal meat skewered severed his jugular vein. Like, s- severed it. We get to the hospital, and we go to, to Children's Mercy, and Children's Mercy can't help him. They have to, and, and listen, he, he's in and out, in and out. We don't know what's going to happen. They rush him to, all we knew to do was to call everybody, will you pray, 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 pray. I mean, literally... We texted and we called everybody. The, 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 I, didn't, I barely showed up to the next the service the next morning. I was in the hospital. I told our elders and leaders. I said, "I'm. I might make it. I might not." Have, we didn't. We just prayed. Because when you're like that man in that passage, what did he do in prayer? He went to the only source that could help him, Jesus. He 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 cried out. He kneeled and he cried out, "Lord, have mercy." The prayer that changes this church and every church is people that go to the only source that can help them, get in a posture of prayer, and say, Lord, have mercy. We pray. Xavier's dad thought he was going to lose his son, so in the middle of the night he wrote a thing on Facebook and said, dear God, don't take my son. He called his son my bear. Don't take my bear, but if you take my bear, I will not stop worshiping you. Doctor says it's going to be a miracle surgery. And a uh, th- hundred doctors from around Kansas City gathered all night. It didn't matter which hospital they were from because when there's an emergency, people just work together. Wouldn't it be great if churches just put together? And they had this elaborate surgery plan that if this happens, this will happen, and if this goes bad, this team comes in. And I was there when the doctors went in and said this is gonna be about seven hour surgery because this metal meat skewer is a millimeter, a millimeter. Like, your Bible, one page of your Bible, it's a millimeter from his carotid artery. If it nicks his carotid artery, that's the blood supply to your brain, he will die. So even putting an air tube down his throat was going to be a very risky procedure. I was there when the doctors went in. I was there seven hours later when a brain surgeon from KU Medical Center, Dr. Ebersole, came out and said, In all my years of medical practice, this is a one in a million miracle. He was crying. When they pulled it out of that room, he told us that all the doctors started clapping and cheering. They were like, I mean, it was overwhelming to them. My faith wasn't in the doctors. I'm grateful for them. But it was in the
0: God of heaven.
2: Watch this video. I think it'll little more context to it and I'll say one more thing watch this video
0: you're looking at a metal barbecue skewer sticking out of a 10 year old boy's head it goes from below his eye to the back of his skull How could anyone survive this? well this kid did
1: this was definitely just the most terrifying experience I've ever had
0: Xavier Cunningham was playing with friends in his backyard in Harrisonville Missouri. They threw the skewer into the ground where it landed, with the sharp end sticking up. Then Xavier was climbing down from a treehouse when he lost his footing and fell right on the skewer.
1: I opened my eyes and I was like... and just screamed my head off.
0: His mom, Gabrielle, fearing the worst, rushed him to the ER. Even Xavier thought he was a goner. He could barely move his mouth and he'd go, Hi, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, baby. And he'd go, I love you. And he goes, the last words I'm ever going to say on this earth are, I love you, Mom. But by some miracle, the skewer missed all his vital organs. This thing missed the eye, missed the brain, it missed the spinal cord. Dr. Koji Ebersol, a brain surgeon with the University of Kansas Health System, was tasked with removing the skewer. The x-ray is unbelievable. That lets you see for the first time how close this thing is to the carotid artery. That's the major artery that goes to the brain. This remarkable video shows the surgery. You can see the doctor's hand carefully and slowly pulling out the skewer. When the doctor came through the door and he just said, he goes, it's out. And just the, the, the relief, and I was like, can I hug you? And here they are moments later in Xavier's hospital room.
1: So we got so, something for you. Sure do. The
0: doctor hands him the skewer as a souvenir. And this is Xavier today, just five days after the operation. The hole where the skewer went in is covered by just a little Band-Aid. He's still swollen and sore, but his doctor says he will make a full recovery. The whole thing's a miracle.
2: That was Inside Edition. Every major news outlet in the world came to our town. We had news crews for a couple Sundays after that. The, the, the governor of our state wrote a letter just praising God for the miracle that that was the mayor of our city declared like a month later a Saturday to be Xavier Cunningham Miracle Saturday why? because when God does the miraculous the, the lost people go yeah I, I knew there had to be something there's a God we say I want that we fast and pray because that's a major miracle you see, but the God of heaven does a million minor miracles. If we would just open our eyes, we would see. We had a lady in our church, couldn't have kids, got pregnant. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Maybe one of the most profound things that happened out of that was I was in Xavier's uh, hospital room the very next day, Josh. And his mom said, tell Pastor Malachi what you told me. He sa- and, and so she- and he said, I knew I'd be okay. I go, buddy, how did you know you'd be okay? He goes, because before they took me in for surgery, I saw Jesus at the foot of my bed. He has his hand on me, and he was praying for me, and his eyes lit the room. You say, do you really believe that, Pastor Malachi? Uh, yeah. With every fiber of my being, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ himself miraculously visited that boy in his hospital room and spared his life. Because I serve a God that can do anything. I believe everything that's in that book from cover to cover. And I serve a God that can do anything with anybody with any time they want to. So any one of you, we're on level ground. We can all pray. We can all fast. And that's the call for this church in 2020. Don't settle for Satan's plan. Ah, half-hearted following, no life transformation. Definitely not fasting and prayer. That's just too radical. Nope. Be known for that, being that radical church. Oh, they're, they're praying again. Man, they're just, they, they, man they, all they do is love people. And all they do is, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And be that church. Be that church. Will you let the God of glory shake you? He wants to. Xavier. In the middle of the night, he'd come in and out of consciousness, and he was, sing- he, would, he was singing the song, Reckless Love. Corey Asbury even messaged him when he heard the story of that. There's no wall he won't break down. There's no mountain he won't climb. Yeah, that's my God. It's my God. John Van Gelderen's coming in two weeks. Are you, you going to be content with just some, a spiritual renewal conference? Or were you maybe going to go for a spiritual renewal visitation? That before he gets here, there's something in this room. There's something in your lives. There's something in your heart. Teenagers become prayer leaders and and moms become prayer warriors and dads become priests of their homes and all of a sudden, there's a vibrancy in life because of a praying church. That's what I'm calling you forth as a church. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you. I'm telling you, church, please, 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 this kind This kind only comes by prayer and fasting.
0: Josh. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.